Hi there, and welcome to the Gypsam's Guide to Wellbeing at Work. I'm David Ravagliade, and I'm delighted to be working with Gypsam's on this project, which aims to highlight the importance of well-being schemes in the workplace. We hope that this podcast series will inspire action and act as a guide to setting up workplace scheme of your own. In this episode, we focus in on locally-based gaming company Mansion and meet Nadine Reyes, one of the team members responsible for its well-being initiatives. So Nadine, thanks for your time today. You're welcome. It's a great initiative to take part in. So for the benefit of our listeners, can you tell us a bit more about Mansion? Okay, so in a nutshell, Mansion's an online gaming company. It's been in Gibraltar since, I believe, 2003, 2004, so quite a while now. Compared to our competitors, we are a small entity, but we are a global entity. So we've got offices in Bulgaria, in Spain, obviously Gibraltar as well. And in total, about 250 employees. Wow, so quite, quite large then. <laughs> yes, but in Gib itself, there's about 74 mm. at the moment. So tell me specifically about the Wellbeing at Work scheme at Mansion. Okay, so there's many, many elements that go into Wellbeing at Work, and these can be short-term, quick wins, or they can be longer elements. So if we're talking about a short-term or quick win, it could be something as simple as giving an employee their birthday off. If it falls on a weekend, they get the Friday or the Monday. For more long-term projects, you're talking about things like performance reviews, maybe private medical schemes, learning and development, and things like that. So why do you think, why did Mansion feel that well-being was a necessary investment? Well, we all know we spend a lot of time at work, so we have to look after our employees. Without our employees, our, our company's not going to exist. So if we invest in our employees, then we're going to get the best out of them. And that investment can come in, in many different forms. Who are the key stakeholders for you to implement this? And I think actually, if we're looking at wide view, there's so many. Yeah, so we'll be talking about, it depends. If it's, we have autonomy to implement simple things. So like if we have theme days, we have an operational budget that we work on at the beginning of the year. Um, and as long as we stay within that budget, we don't need to get further approval. So if we have an, a theme day once a month and maybe little ad hoc um, little initiatives, then that's okay. If we're looking at bigger things like a private medical scheme, and then we would have to have C-level buy-in because then we're talking about a whole different project and budget, um, same as learning and development. Again, that's a huge um, project and we would need to, to look further into budgets, how much we can do, what's needed, and see how we can implement that in, in a way that's going to be meaningful and beneficial both to employees and the company. So it'll just be depending on what those things are. So what are those, uh, if you break them down, what are those kind of um, broad activities that would come under the Wellbeing at Work scheme here at Mansion? Okay, so um, more short-term things are things like the birthday day off, a birthday voucher, gifts for a wedding or a birth. It's just about letting employees know that they are part of a family almost and that we do appreciate and value them. Things like corporate gym membership are also quite quick wins as well, and that's easy enough to set up. You speak to the gyms around Gibraltar, and most of them have some kind of corporate scheme available. In terms of more extensive ones that will need a budget sign-off and more research, we're talking about learning and development programs, 
maybe do a training needs analysis, but getting all the employees involved in that, seeing where they see their gaps are and where they see the company gaps are and how we can pull that together, support and put some kind of program in place. It could be developing leaders. It could be succession planning. So it's about empowering our employees. And if you do that, then they have the confidence to to be more productive, to make difficult decisions, to have the difficult conversations and things like that. And they can see a future with the company. Other long or broader ones are things like a private medical scheme, tackles absence that we may have within the business. It also, a lot of these medical schemes have an EAP program. Um, so that's an employee assistance program. And that will give them counselling, guidance and support on various different areas. It could be financial, it could be stress at work, it could be personal problems, it could be something, you know, with a manager, a problem with a manager, a problem with the work itself. So that, And that's totally confidential service. So if we were to look at something like setting up a medical scheme, we would make sure the budget's in place, we would research the different medical schemes that are out there. And again, word of mouth, other companies, what are they using? What do their employees say about the particular scheme that they're using? Then just compare all those different elements of each of the different providers and see how they fit for us. Are there any add-ons that we can give? We put dental, optical on there as well as add-ons, which I believe a lot of companies don't have, but they're, they're elements that are important to our employees. I mean, everybody sits at a computer screen. It just makes sense to put the optical as well on there. Um, sometimes what we also do is it, with COVID, it was put on the back burner for a while, but we bring the optician in as well to the office. So we do that annually. Um, it saves just that, that trip there and back to the optician. We can get through as many employees as, as want to take part in that. Obviously, it's not as extensive a an eye exam as you would have in the opticians, but they can, if they find anything that needs further investigation, then they'll, you know, give you another appointment and you can go to the actual opticians itself and have that done, those further tests done. But it, it's a quick, easy win for us as well. You know, everybody's got a meeting room and just set them up and yeah, set the appointments for employees. Is there anything you don't do? (laughs) (laughs) We have to get rid of our massages. Even though we're in a great new office, we don't have a room to to hold them in. But we did have, uh, at one point, we would bring Mm. ladies from Atlantic Suites, a little shout out there to Atlantic Suites, Mm. and we'd get them in once a month and Mm. 10 to 15 minute back massage, head massage, just to... Mm. you know to de-stress yeah you mentioned earlier on uh staff employee participation and empowerment is it tough to engage these groups it is it's been tough since we've come back we had two years out with covid that we were actually working from home i know a lot of companies went back a lot earlier but we literally came back on the 11th of april yeah so we and we've had a few major changes since then so it's been quite difficult to try and build our culture up a bit and we have a new uh, a lot of new people that we hired during that period so it's about communicating with them letting them know that they are allowed to do things that the company is looking after them their voice matters so once we build up that relationship then it's easier for them to feel empowered and to 
bring anything to the table, just, you know, have their voice. With staff working remotely, and you talked about communication, do you, what tools, how do, you, how do you communicate with your staff? So remotely was we literally one day we're in the office, the next day it's work from home. Thankfully, we had a Brexit plan in place in case things went crazy at the border because of Brexit. So we'd done a trial run, which was really, really handy because when it came to lockdown, we were ready. Um, so that was all. People had their laptops, their working from home equipment because they had all been issued out. We had things like Zoom, Teams, video conferences. There was a, a lot more meetings were put into place. In terms of looking after our employees during that time, it was a very, very busy time for us because we literally had to think of different ways on how to to let them know, look, we're still there. We are looking after you. So there was a lot of initiatives and touching base. We had like a Friday happy hour type thing that we'd set up a Zoom link or something. And then employees, if they wanted to join, they could join and just get together and speak to their colleagues and have a little bit of fun. We put a lot of like programs together. So for people who had children, young children especially, we did a lot of research online and put all these links to it was things like BBC for kids mm -hmm. or science programs at some of the museums and everything set up little online virtual screenings as such. Joe Wicks again was a was a big. You were all doing that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> How does that work now that you are back in the office and kind of do you still keep that up to date uh, communication with them? We do, but it takes a different form now because now we can speak to people face-to-face. -face. We will put flyers together and just email to everybody, oh, look, um, I don't know, it's Pizza Monday or whatever it looks like. The Jubilee, we had, you know, brought in a cake and put decorations up. So it's a lot more visual and that just that face-to-face -face just makes things a lot easier. When we came back, because we um, we had a lot of people that hadn't worked in the office before so they didn't even know what their colleagues looked like for a lot of them it was like we had to give them permission to yes please come and have your lunch we provided lunch for you please very free to take the time out of your day come sit relax spend time with your colleagues just have a little bit of fun take break from your working day and once we did that then every theme day after that was a lot easier in the sense they knew they were allowed to just put down your work tools and you know Come and have fun. Just speak to your colleagues. Just pass the time of day with them. So in that sense, those things were a lot, lot easier. But it was given that permission they felt they needed um, to be given that. Why did you decide to take part in the Gibsons Wellbeing at Work Awards? It's because we do spend a lot of time at work and most of us have to, to work. So it's important that we... We have a working environment that is conducive to to give a good work-life balance where people can come to work and not feel anxious about coming to work. And what I've seen, I, I looked through the, the other applicants from previous years because I always thought, oh, but we, we don't really do anything. And then when I looked, I thought, yes, we do, because lots of different elements go into well-being, and it can be as simple as communication. People need to know where they stand, what it, what's expected of them, how well the company's doing. 
that they can come and speak to us if they've got an issue. So even simple things like that make a big difference. So once I, I realized that, I started seeing all the other elements that we did that all lent to, to well-being at work. And the fact that it, it, it's gypsams that you you see them there and they're always supporting and, you know, people's welfare is important. So it, to me, it was a good name that was reflective of the good work that they do. And to be a part of that was, it's important to me and it's important, I think, to businesses to, to recognise that. Thank you. Last question, actually. Um what advice have you got for someone who's thinking of starting a well-being at work initiative of their own? Don't look at it like a big, scary problem. There's all different elements and it can be for the smallest thing. And from that smallest thing, you can grow and expand on and improve. And it is about continually improving. You're not necessarily going to get it right the first time. What works for some companies doesn't work for others. So look at your company, look at your employees, try and speak to them, listen to them, see what what they want, what they would like, and then try and get the two to align so that the business and the employees are on the same page as much as possible. And think small at the beginning. It's small steps, builds big things. So yeah, just just don't look at it as a project that is daunting. It's not. Brilliant. Well, thanks a lot. So there we have it. We've reached the end of the Gypsam's Guide to Wellbeing at Work. I thank you for listening. We do hope you've found it insightful and enjoyable to listen to. But most importantly, I hope it's inspired you to take some action at your own place of work. Remember, it's not too late to enter this year's Wellbeing at Work Awards. Head to the Gypsam's website for info on how to apply. Gypsam's is a Gibraltar-based charity and confidential listening service for those individuals experiencing emotional distress. It exists to reduce the number of suicides and support people through tough times. Find out more at gypsams.gi.